Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. I'm Aaron McMahon. In this week's episode, we will discuss no less than the present and future of sports in our country. We will break down the latest news regarding college athletes getting paid and transferring, plus give our thoughts on specific Wolverine newcomers. All that and more on this episode of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Guys, how are you doing? Good. Hanging in there. <laughs> got, got to get out on the golf course a couple of times over the weekend. So, you know, that was a nice little refreshing uh, activity. Felt a little bit normal to be doing an outdoor activity that's fun. Still sounds like we have a long way away to a long way to long way to go until we fully reopen, though. But at least that little bit of fun in. Yeah, I got out to uh, Belle Isle, Detroit on Sunday. It was good. Everyone seemed to be social distancing. I mean, there were a few groups that weren't, uh, weren't, but it was, it was, it was sunshine. It was nice. It was warm. It was nice. Yeah. Um, It'll of course be interesting to see how things go once the weather does get better. I don't mean for the you know, virus itself. I just mean for people, you know, following the social distancing It almost maybe is a little easier when it's not so nice out, but, uh, yeah, somewhat on that topic, I guess, pretty much everything we do, I don't know. I, hopefully people, you know, enjoy the podcast. And when we talk about commits and, you know, new players or, or you know, breaking down opponents for next season or whatever, it's, it is with the understanding we're not naive to what's going on and that, you know, all of this could, you know, potentially get, get pushed back, uh, you know, even more than some things already have. Um, Ward Manual, Michigan's athletic director, uh, you know, did recently tackle a topic that we've been, or, or take a stance, I guess, um, that we, we've we shared on this podcast now for weeks. So it wasn't really news to us. Um, but yeah, I guess, Aaron, if you could, if you could share what that was. Yeah, he, uh, he went on a, uh, I don't even know what you call it, like a live chat for everyone's doing the virtual town hall style thing now. And uh, he did one on Thursday with, uh, I guess you want to call them a financial literacy advocate group. It's called EduCore. It's basically a group of folks who kind of educate uh, college athletes on finances beyond college, whether it's playing professionally or whatever. Um, anyway, Ward went on with Bart Scott, uh, former Jet star, and Drew Hawkins. Um, they're joined by Kevin Anderson, former athletic director, I think, at the University of Maryland. Uh, so it was kind of a, like it was a roundtable discussion. Uh, it, was, it was a pretty interesting discussion. He was on there for about an hour long. They asked him about all kinds of topics, ranging from his health to how he's dealing with this to budgetary stuff. Uh, but one of the big issues I thought that was brought up was the whole you know, the whole issue of whether of football and sports are going to happen this fall. Um, Ward was asked about the, the idea of at college athletes playing or competing when students are, you know, potentially students don't come back to campus and he wasn't on board with that. No, he, he basically said that, you know, he's in his mind that they should be playing games and practicing only if students are allowed back on campus. Um, I read you a couple excerpts of, of what he had to say. Um, he, it was a pretty lengthy response and he had, he had put he had a, lot of, a lot of comments on these issues, but he, he said that it is very difficult, if not impossible for me to ask our student athletes to return to campus to play a game when other students are not going to be returning to campus. That's just unfathomable to me as I think about it. Now, he did say, he went on to say, you know, he could listen to arguments and, and ideas, arguments against it. Uh, but to him at this point, it's, it's just, it's hard for him to imagine this, that happening. And it, you know, I think it generally falls in line with, with other, what other people are saying. It, it seems to be, you know, the, it's what people have said. Now, 
you know, you can make the argument against it, like you said, but at this point, I think that's the realistic option here. I don't know how you guys feel about this. And it's, I mean, we brought this up in the, in the past few weeks, but um, that the idea of playing in front of empty stadiums has been thrown out there in the past. I think maybe that more, works more so for pro sports than collegiate. Um, but, you know, it's the first time Ward has gone on record about this topic, about this issue. And that signals to me that he's not going to let football or any other sport this fall begin unless Michigan decides to, to hold in-person classes or some in-person instruction this, this fall right. in Ann Arbor. You know darn well how I feel about it. It ain't going to happen. I mean, college football, hey, how about that? It requires college. So it's just, yeah, it's not going to happen if if you can't get, uh, you know, bodies back on campus. And it's, again, still too early to kind of know whether that's going to happen, but it might not happen. I mean, that, that's that's really the thing here. You know, there was a there was an op-ed today in the New York Times from Scott Boris, a major league baseball, you know, kind of super agent. And, you know, he's just saying, bring bring we need to bring baseball back. It's good for the country. He cites, you know, post war or, you know, even during the war, it continued um, the war, the wars being, you know, like World War One and World War Two. Um, and then, you know, after 9-11, there was there was a brief break, you know, for like less than a week before they, they came back. David Ortiz, after the bombings and the Boston Marathon, he, bring, he, he references a lot of things that are just completely different from the current situation we're facing. Obviously, he has a financial interest in the sport returning. Um, and, you know, that's Major League Baseball, which is not the focus of this podcast, but it still relates sports in general. Um, you know, it it can heal, you know, a heartbroken nation. You know, that's basically what was what was the case in some of these other instances is that it came back and, you know, kind of inspired people and or was a diversion in a time of, of need. In this case, you know, you can't have sports unless society is 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 functioning properly. And that's the bottom line. If you're starting a society from scratch, you wouldn't say, you know, let's let's have sports teams and movie theaters and things like that. You'd, you'd start with hospitals and schools and, you know, kind of important things. So I just I just don't see if those things aren't in, you know, kind of working order um, that you can have uh that you can have sports yet that would kind of come after. Can it be done? Absolutely. I mean, anyone who's following, you know, what Major League Baseball is trying to do, what the NBA is trying to do, uh, you know, to get their seasons. NHL. Start, yeah. Okay. Yeah. NHL, you know, started, <laughs> or I, I honestly just haven't read about that as much, but I'm sure it's some of the similar, uh, you know, theories that they're trying, that they're floating as far as, you know, playing in, in, in Vegas or Disney world and, and, you know, connected hotels and things like that. It can be done. It's just, you know, if there's not, if there's not tests and, and you know, uh, for, for the general public and the hospitals are overwhelmed already by the general public, it just doesn't make sense to have uh, like that's a good use of resources. I don't know. That's the end of my rant. For me, it just seems a lot more feasible to have pro sports to come back because it's a lot easier to control, let, let's say, the professional athlete compared to college athletes. You can no isolate them with their families in hotels and whatnot. If you have student athletes and they're back on campus, like you mentioned before, and they're going to classes, they're living their lives like a, a college student would, um, going to eat with friends or going out to the bars or whatnot. I, it's a lot harder to contain the, the I was, there's a lot easier for the virus to spread in those settings than let's say major league baseball. When, um, yeah, even if teams are traveling to different MLB parks, you can isolate the team, um, from the rest of the public to kind of limit that spread. It would be much harder to do for for college athletes, not just football, but any college athlete. That's why, for with all optimism for the college uh, football season next year, I guess I'm not as highly 
I, I don't buy it as much as, as maybe some people just because I have a feeling that I haven't seen enough evidence yet that we will have enough testing or that the curve will continue to decline. Right now, I'm seeing a lot of uh, either steadying the curve or even for states that have reopened going back up, and which is not good because college football needs – I think you need the most of the country, to, yeah. not, if not all the country, to not be continuing to see the curve increase. Um, before getting players and uh, back on the field and playing playing games or even practicing getting ready for season. So Jim, you really hit on a point that I was going to bring up. You know, there's a stark difference between a collegiate athlete and a professional athlete because professional athletes have players' unions to bargain on, on their behalf. They're they're making money out of this. College athletes, in theory, yes, they're being paid to go to school and the like. They're not they're not they're not drawing. They're not making millions of dollars a year. There's no financial, um, you know, obligation on their end. And no, there's nothing pushing them to do it either. So it's it's a really different situation here. I mean, college athletes, while the athletic departments are relying on them, and, and Ward Manuel admitted as much in this interview, you know, but he also said that I don't, these are not professional athletes and I don't treat them that way. We're going to put safety first ahead of everything else. And while professional athletes can make that choice on their own, whether or not they want to play or not, because they have money riding on, riding on the situation, collegiate athletes don't have that. Now, the athletic departments are making money off of them. And so they have to act. You know, they have to act on their their own behalf. But college athletes, they're not they're not contracted. They're not obligated to play, so they can obviously say no. So it's a, I think it's a unique position. And, and you're right. I think pro sports, if anything, will probably come back first before college sports do. Yes. But you know, if if we if campuses decide to open in the fall, and you're starting to see more schools do it. Last week or so, you're starting to see more and more schools say, "Hey, we intend to return this fall." That's the plan going forward. And Michigan has said that, Mark, you know, President Mark Slitschel, I think last week, said the plan, they're cautiously optimistic that fall classes will happen in person uh, in Ann Arbor and, and their campuses. And if that, doesn't, if that does happen, then it's obviously step one, the football team returning. But again, then you've got you to consider all the other schools and the Big Ten Conference, their opponents for, for next season. A lot of stuff has to go right here for the football season to, to take place. And it, it, look, it still could. There's still plenty of time for that to happen. There's still plenty of time for this to improve. But right now, it's it's going to be a, it's going to be interesting to see the next couple months where this where this all goes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What I said, you know, applied to sports in general and, and professional sports. But I think yes, it goes it goes double or triple for college sports because maybe pro sports can exist somewhat in a in a bubble and a bit of a vacuum. Though I think it will still take into consideration uh, sort of the rest of society. College sports absolutely do not. I mean, they are contingent upon, like we said, the campus is opening. So you can't think about, could you stage a football game and, you know, get television cameras in there. And even if you don't have fans, you have to think about, can you do all the other things that go with college? Um, and until that answer is yes, you're, you're not going to have football, but um, we all hope that uh, obviously is, is not the case, but I, I say for now we can, we can kind of stick with, with some, some, football specific news. Uh, one of them being last week, we last two weeks, really, we've talked about the NFL draft, previewed it, recapped it. Um, and now, you know, as some of the individual undrafted players, uh, the signing starting to trickle in one of the more recent ones was uh, Michigan's quarterback, Shea Patterson, where'd he end up? Yeah. Yeah. He was the not the New York giants. <laughs> no, not the New York giants. There was a report out there. I think over the weekend, Saturday that he had signed with the giants. That was inherently false. Um, Patterson was the only guy invited to the combine, the Michigan side, at least that didn't, didn't get either, didn't get drafted or, or signed, you know, the, the night of, of, of day three. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he was waiting on a team, and he waited a little over a week now. I was told that the market for quarterbacks had kind of dried up uh, after the night, of the final night of the draft, and left a couple of them without without deals. Um, he he had to wait a little over a week, but anyway, he's in he's in Kansas City. Um, you know, it's it's an interesting spot for him. I think it's one where you know it's in a way a good spot for him. They have three quarterbacks on the roster already, as we all know. Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl MVP. He's not going anywhere. He mm-hmm. will be their starter, barring some you know weird situation. Um, but then the backup, uh, you got Chad Henney, former Michigan quarterback, who was signed, or re-signed, I should say, back, I think, in last month in March, maybe March. And they got Jordan Tamu from Ole Miss, who, oddly enough, was the guy that ended up, ended up getting the starting job uh, after Shea left Ole Miss. So Shea's, Shea, I think, has a shot to make the roster if, if the Chiefs choose the – most teams, I think, carry three quarterbacks, and sometimes the fourth for, for practice squad you know, reasons. So Shea's got – he's got a – an opportunity here to, to latch onto a team. He's going to have to come in and play well and, and be accurate and show those, those, that athleticism that, that he was able to show at Michigan, but he's going to have to play well. Here. And, and, and it's going to be, I'm curious to see how he handles it because as we all know, none of these NFL teams are going through many camps at this point that typically make you, excuse me, typically rookie mini camps are going on or in schedule here for the next couple of weeks. That's uh, not going to happen. Uh, so he's got a short window to prove himself, but he's got an opportunity, and I think that's all he wanted. You know, I'm talking to his agent and, and him at the combine, he just wanted an opportunity. He didn't realize there was, I think, a hope and desire to get drafted, but he realizes it's all it takes is you know uh, one good fit, one good opportunity, and then him showing himself in camp to, to get a roster spot. So that is a former Wolverine who has a new home. A potential future Wolverine might might have one as well. I am just crushing these segues. Uh, Ryan, tell us about Miles Rouser. Yeah, a a 2022 Michigan commit was one of two Michigan commits in that 2022 class. Um, Announced last week that he is reopening his recruitment um, and listening to to other schools and is going to try and visit some more schools when the recruiting um, ban is lifted. And he says he's still interested in Michigan and, and he's not closing the door on Michigan whatsoever. But just felt that that he he would open up his recruitment again and, and see what else is out there and um, a little bit surprising his brother Andre Selden is a part of the 2020 class at Michigan um, both of them went to Belleville but but Rouser just recently transferred to IMG Academy where he will play next season and I, I spoken with his dad a few times when I was doing a few stories on Andre and it's a big time Michigan family. His dad grew up a huge Michigan fan, huge Charles Woodson fan. And um, I don't, don't want to say influence him too much, but I think there was definitely some influence there to, to head to Michigan. And with his brother being there already, it just seemed like a natural fit. Um, but I, more teams have been calling on, calling on him because he's, he's a four-star guy, um, a rapidly rising prospect. Um, so we'll, we'll see where his, his recruitment goes from here. Penn State's recruiting him, Georgia Tech, Florida, Florida State. Um, and, and he's only going to be a junior. So it's a lot of time right. for his, his recruitment to uh, pick up. So not so, not the end of the world. No need to panic yet, but it is it is notable nonetheless. Are we calling this a decommitment or no? Well, what do you want to call it, Aaron? <laughs> what do you want I to call it? We were talking off, I think, off camera or off off recording before we started recording this podcast. We were arguing whether or not this is a decommitment or not. Yeah, some of the said, recruiting gurus out there were saying he's not decommitting; he's just reopening his 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 commitment and or his recruitment. And Aaron argued, "Well, if you're not committed, then you're decommitted. Then not, you're decommitted." Yeah. yeah. So, 
Uh, yeah, you two uh, were uh, arguing about this. I didn't know all the facts, so I, I didn't jump in. What I, had he previously announced that he intended to attend Michigan? Yes. yes. Yeah, he was verbally and I committed. Think by the by big the, letter and everything. Yeah. You know? Then by the term, the way people typically use that term, I would say it absolutely is a decommitment. Then. I don't know, who, am I, who am I siding with then on this one? I don't care. <laughs> yeah, you're right. you're with I think everyone listening to this though wants to know what are the chances Michigan gets him back. I mean, what? Yeah. What do you think? Do you think he ends up at Michigan eventually, or is this is this his way to get out and go somewhere else? You think? I, I think. I mean, I think they would still be the leader at this point. I mean, he said he's he's just been talking with teams yet. He hasn't really met, been on too many visits. Um, but it, again, it's so early, and with this whole pandemic thing too, it just kind of throws a lot of things out of whack. Um, is there going to be a high school next season too for? Other maybe to for him to impress even more schools, it's it's hard to tell at this point. But I mean, I would say um, with, with his brother being there and having that local connection where he grew up. Um, but again, now that he's playing down south at one of the most prestigious college or uh, high school programs in in the country, those southern schools might be come calling. Um, those a lot of the, his teammates will be going to other SEC schools or ACC schools. So, I mean, there's, there could be a lot of influence there, too. But, I mean, in the end, I would still say Michigan's probably the favorite at this point. But It's also notable, too, given his position he plays, that they've, Michigan's had, you know, coaching changes here in the last, you know, six months or so. Do, do we think that's affected it, or, or what do you think? So, he, when he announced his commitment, it looks like it was after Partridge left, or left for uh, Ole Miss, but it was before Bob Shoup was hired. Um, so kind of in between there. So it was a, a little bit of a strange time that he committed when he committed. Um, so I haven't heard, read anything or heard anything about the coaching change being a factor. Um, it was more so he said that it was just other schools have been reaching out and um, he, he's willing to to listen at this point. So hard to tell at this point if that coaching factor um, or that coaching change is a factor at all. Yeah. I know when he does commit again, wherever it is, you know, these kids, it's all the – you know, beyond blessed to announce that I have. That's usually when they received an offer, even just not forget the commitment, but receive right. it. And then they do the, the the logo of the school next to then an image of like a, a current play, at least for basketball. I don't know if football guys do that as much, but it's, you know, beat well, they have like a lot of these guys have their own graphics. Yeah. yeah. So the, the, these schools will do graphics for all these guys and they'll, thanks for an offer. And it'll be them in a uh, Michigan Jersey and Ohio state Jersey. Yeah. Uh, whatever school. So it's, Inside it's wild. Stadium, it's so much you know? different compared to when we were in school, man. Like there was no Twitter when, uh, <laughs> when I was in high school. Like it's it's crazy how how things have changed. Yeah. It's also nobody wanted us to go to their college. But <laughs> yeah. That's the other thing. Um, yeah. Okay. While we're while we're talking, you know, Jim Harbaugh's program. I mean, hey, let's give the guy uh, a shout out. I guess for you know he and his uh, wife Sarah gave a uh, you know big check to the. United Way to fight uh, you know, the COVID-19 relief efforts. Am I getting that right, Aaron? You did. <laughs> you did. You nailed it. <laughs> uh, him nice. and his wife, it was announced yesterday, Monday. I don't know when the donation actually happened. but I'm, I'm And who sure. knows what day it is today either. I mean, who's to say? Yeah, right, right. At this point. Uh, yeah, him and his wife, Sarah, announced a, uh, or the United Way announced it technically, a $100,000 uh, donation to the United Way for Southeastern Michigan. Um, the The group formed a, COVID-19 Community Response Fund back in March, I believe it was, um, to help nonprofits and groups in the three counties in Southeast Michigan, um, Wayne, Oakland, and Macomb, 
going to money for families in need, um, groups that needed to help with all kinds of COVID-19 related things. Um, they, they, it was $100,000, big, big check. Um, it's, I think it's the biggest, one of the biggest I've seen around the country. I'm sure other coaches have donated as well to different, to different funds. Um, but it was, it was a nice gesture from the Harbaugh family. You know, I, you know, obviously coach Harbaugh can, can afford it. He's due to make $8 million this year. So it's, it's in a way it's a drop in the bucket for him, but it's a huge donation. I, I think the United Way said, said they've raised, I'm pulling up the numbers right now, uh, $15 million in donations. Uh, they distributed about a third of that uh, to more than 300 agencies in Southeast Michigan. So they're doing good work. They're, they're helping people out. Uh, and, and kudos to Jim, coach, you know, Jim Harbaugh and his wife for uh, pulling up the checkbook and writing a uh, six-figure check, which is a lot more than most people could say they could do. Sure. Well, speaking of Jim Harbaugh, he was a guy who was in favor of the you know one-time transfer uh, exception, I guess. So basically just kind of what it sounds like where you can transfer from as an athlete from one school to another um, without having to sit out a year like you typically do. And should be, uh, this really needs to be hammered home. You can do this in most every sport at the college level already. You can't do it in, surprise, surprise, some of the big money makers: football, men's basketball, uh, women's basketball, and baseball. Baseball, oh, ice hockey. Hockey, hockey. Hockey, hockey, right? Okay, am I, am I getting that right? I mean, five we're, we're, we're talking here mostly, for, for the most part, we're talking about football, and we're, and we're talking about men's basketball in this podcast, but some of the other sports we do talk about at times also, okay, uh, affected by this. But majority of all other sports, I mean, Michigan has, what, 27, you know, varsity sports or something, uh, you know, uh, that you, you could already do that. But anyway, uh, Harbaugh has been in favor of allowing this from the start. It would get rid of – or allowing this for, for football and, and other sports too. Get rid of the whole waiver process, you know, guys having to argue on their behalf. Lawyers get involved, you know, back and forth between schools. Just you can do it once, and that's that. Um, you know, some coaches, you know, Tom Izzo among them, believe this could be, you know, the demise of society as we know it. But uh, bottom line is, uh, if one of you could kind of give an update on on where we stand, there seemed to be momentum moving towards that, but now maybe not. Yeah, it's definitely put a there's a halt on it at this point. I don't want to say dead because that's not accurate. It sounds like the NCAA is still open to discussion in future. Mm-hmm. Um, but they announced on Thursday uh, the NCAA Board of Director, Directors, they kind of rejected, um, I guess we'll back up for a second. Last fall, they, they, the NCAA tasked a working group to look at the transfer waiver issue and come up with a suggestion moving forward. Well, that working group suggested just that, a one-time transfer waiver for these, uh, these five sports that, where they were not allowed. Um, but the NCAA came back Thursday and said that they, basically they kind of rejected it for the time being. They called it, quote, not appropriate at this time. Um, I'm, I'm presuming because of the COVID-19 issue going on right now in the U.S. Um, but like I said, they've, tell, they've decided to shelve it. Um, they, they have said that it's, you know, they're, they're still willing to discuss it and debate it and consider it for future votes. Um, but, you know, there was an assumption that I think they were going to consider it and vote on it next month. Um, that is not the case. Um, there, was, there was a belief, some believe, that maybe you'd see a one-time transfer, the one-time transfer waiver in effect as early as this fall, allowing you know, football players to, to play right away without having to argue for a waiver. It doesn't appear like it's going to happen. Uh, maybe, maybe for 2021, 2022 at this point, but it's, as of right now, it's, it's being shelved. Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting discussion. Obviously we've, we've talked about a lot, you know, you, you see some guys get it, some guys not, 
I think most notable here at Michigan was, was Shea Patterson in the spring of 2018 when he was coming out, coming over from Ole Miss. Um, he wanted, you know, media eligibility. He, you know, he claimed that you know, the issues going on at Ole Miss were weren't helping him in, his, in the situation. He was able to get it. Some guys don't. Um, but like you said, you know, Jim Harbaugh last last summer kind of was the first one that came to the forefront of all this. And it, he was at Big Ten Media Days in Chicago and, and started cha- he championed the idea. He wasn't asked about it. He he kind of brought it up on his own and it kind of had grew grew, it grew you know let, grew legs from there. And then it became legislation. And as of now, it's right now it's not going to happen. That doesn't mean it's not going to happen in the future. Um, but it's right. not right. It's confusing because you have the you know committee that you know they make their recommendation. So I, I could see how people might interpret that as oh it's happening, but it more it's more the NCA saying you know tell us what you think we should do. We're still going to decide at the end what that final decision is. Um, the the thought though is that if it doesn't come into to effect for this year, um, it will absolutely will the next year anyway. So we're looking at maybe just one more year without this. And it is interesting. I mean, I, I talked to. Uh, no high-profile college basketball coach for for a separate story earlier um, this or was it Friday? I don't know. In recent days, um, uh, Hall of Famer, and uh, you know, he just said, "Look at look at where we're at right now in, in college basketball, men's college basketball, Division One, seven, eight, nine hundred kids, you know, transferring um, a year." I mean, he said he would not be surprised to see that number shoot up to like two thousand, um, including you know. As soon as that's announced that you can, you're going to be, you know, eligible just in those days, um, just, you know, the transfer portal just getting flooded uh, with players. And, you know, he's already talked to some coaches who even in this era of having to sit out, um, you know, are worried and have in some cases lost, you know, starting players or players who are projected to start coming back. We've talked about this with Michigan. David DeJulius left and he was in line to potentially start so it's not just you know seven eight nine ten guys you know on the bench uh that are that are that are looking to get out it's sometimes you know the third or fourth uh you know banana on a team looking to maybe hey i could be you know number number two or three at a, at a different school so um which again there's nothing nothing wrong with that but that is kind of where where uh you know we're we're, we're trending i didn't know how the coronavirus would affect the ncaa's decision part of me thought that they might allow it this year just because dealing with the waivers of, of who may be left because of this to get closer to home or because they, you know, whatever reason. Um, but who knows, maybe that worked the other way and they want to, uh, they just don't want to deal with this this year because of what's everything else that's going on. I'm glad you brought that up because at the very end of the release, they, they did point out that they, they had recommended that the waiver process be, I mean, reading this exactly, uh-huh. the waiver process be sensitive to student athletes' well-being, especially those impacted by COVID-19. So they are, I think, going to take you know special, um, you know, a special look at those instances. So I, I, if you, yeah. so I think at this point, if you if you want a waiver, that's the, the route to go. But you know, it, we'll see. And it, it, NCAA is always a tricky thing. You think a kid's going to get a waiver, has a good chance, a good you know chance at one, and it doesn't get it. So it's yep. I don't know, but they are certainly considering that. Absolutely. Uh, other NCAA news would be the name, image, and uh, likeness discussions. I guess to to have players compensated uh, for their, um, you know, for just capitalizing on being a high profile college athlete. Harpo um, was asked about this last season when, when again that started to grow legs uh, because of the California bill. If I'm remembering his answer correctly, he kind of didn't address that specifically as much as let him go pro earlier. Early. Was that? Was that you're right. My okay. I think he said they won. He, he was open to letting football players leave. I think after their first year. 
Yes, exactly. I thought that he could, he could, he could do that. Yeah. Go pro at any point could be drafted after their freshman year. I'm looking up your, your story on it now, Aaron. Um, well, yeah, as opposed to now where they have to be, what is it? You know, three years out of high school or whatever. So that, that would make more sense if they want to get, get their money, let them get it at the professional level. But, uh, he's not as, he might've been ahead of the curve with the, uh, with the transfer thing, he's probably is a little behind in this regard of saying the only way he wants them to make money is if they go the pro route. He, he clearly wants separation between pro and amateur sports, which a lot of people do, especially of his his era and older. But that's not that's not where we're trending now. We're trending towards players getting uh, getting a piece of the pie, you know, even as, while maintaining their you know their college um, eligibility. That's uh, yeah, that's I think can be voted on, I think in January, but it looks mm-hmm. like it's full go. And, and I think part of this is, is a political thing, you know, you're seeing a groundswell of states around the country are starting to adopt their own NIL bills, including Michigan. There's been movement toward one, they haven't passed it yet. Um, so it's, it, I think the NCAA is trying to get ahead of these states because if you got 50 different states having 50 different policies, it's going to make things a heck of a lot, heck of really confusing from a yeah. standpoint and give certain states, you know, advantages over others. So it's, it's, it's something I think the NCAA needed to get ahead of and they're, they're, they've kind of fast tracked it. I'd be surprised if that's in, in effect for the 2021, 20, 22. There, there's still a lot of uphill battles though, to be sorted out. I mean, are you going to cap the amount that, that they can earn or is, how do you discern what's rec- recruiting inducements compared to actual just um, uh, social media? It's just there's a lot of intricacies that need to be worked out and and legal language that needs to be kind of finalized. Um, it's which is going to be interesting to see. So it's definitely it's not like there's definitely still some some work to do. It I think that's you know. my biggest issue with it. And I think that's what the NCAA is worried about the most is a booster. Let's say at the university of Michigan and Ann Arbor who gives the athletic department a ton of money and they own a business in Ann Arbor too. Let's just say deal a car dealership. I, you know, I'm just throwing an example out there. This random thing. And they offer to pay X quarterback coming in in 2022, a hundred thousand dollars to be on a commercial for the car dealership. I mean, like, how is that going to work? How is that, how is that going to be regulated? How is that going to be followed up? That's the that's the concern of the NCAA. And th- yeah. does it give the schools in in big markets like New York, LA, Chicago, where there's more money for just bigger media markets, more money there? Uh, does that give them advantage? I guess I you know I don't know, but it's to me if I was a school recruit, if someone wants to offer me a hundred thousand dollars to do a commercial, I'm there. All right, I'm your quarterback. I'm your long snapper. I'm whatever you want me to be. If you're paying me like any double digit or five digits more than anyone else. Let's say someone offered me 10,000. I'm there. Like it's. Yeah. And I think that, but I think that I'm in favor of just a complete free market. I do not think that people will just be uh, so eager to drop six figures for these kids to do a commercial. I'm not knocking your example because I think some that will happen, but I don't think it will happen so much. It'll be like, this is ridiculous. It'll, It'll be like anything else. There'll be a market for it, you know, and some schools will be willing to pay, more and it'll all kind of sort itself out like a free market does. I also think there's there's some uh, I think there's some truth to thinking that maybe while you thought think the rich get richer with the Michigans and Ohio states and and you know USC's and Texas of the world having more money, uh, you know their boosters having more to spend. That you could also argue in some of these true college towns, when heck there's not a pro sports team in the entire state, uh, 
you know, you go out to, to North Dakota or, you know, some of these places and obviously Illinois has, uh, in Indiana, they have pro teams, but not necessarily. Alabama, in, yeah, right. Itself. Outside of, you know, the, the major metropolitan areas, you could be the man at that, that Mac school or that, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, in the big South conference or wherever it is, some of these smaller places, you know, you're the guy who knows, maybe it influences some, uh, you know, some top 10, top hundred recruits to stay. Eh, no, thanks. Give me the money. But, well, I'm saying there's going to be money there. There's going to be yeah, money there because it can yeah. all go to you uh, as opposed to here in Michigan where, you know, the boosters got to decide, do I want to pay, you know, Shea Patterson or do I want to pay, um, you know, Franz Wagner? Do I want, you know, who, who which, yeah. which athlete do I want to give it to? Yeah. And you've got pro sports athletes competing with you. So I think, yeah, I don't know. It, it will be interesting. It's important to remember too, and you brought up a good point, Andrew. I, I don't think this is going to affect many student athletes. It's going to be like the top of the top, you know, like, right like quarterbacks and the point guard and maybe, you know, star in the softball or baseball team, but not every kid is going to benefit. Not every student athlete, I should say, is going to benefit from this. In fact, many will not, but it opens a door for them to do that, whether it's through commercial advertising or social media endorsements. I mean, that's, that's a big thing that Ward Manuel's brought up in the past. He thinks that student athletes with big followings on Instagram or Twitter or whatever should be able to be paid to put an ad on their, their account. And that's, that's, I think that's valid. That, that would work. And that might help some of the lesser known athletes too. So it's, it's all up in there. There's a lot to figure out. The NCAA is, it sounds like they're trying to get Congress involved. Still a lot to work out, but it, it's certainly heading toward something that's going to be a realistic thing here, here shortly. Absolutely. Um, you know, one other thing I want to get in the NBA draft combine. Uh, this is not really news at all. Uh, I remember mentioning this in my stories when Isaiah Livers declared for the draft, what seems like, you know, years ago, uh, that combine has officially been pushed back kind of indefinitely um, supposed to be towards the end of this month in Chicago. It's not happening again, not a surprise. The NBA regular season hasn't even ended talking about the draft lottery. They don't know when the draft's going to be when next season's going to start any of that thing. So that's been pushed back. Uh, and I did get clarification from the NSA cause I've seen it floated around on Twitter and, and, and stuff like that. As far as the date of withdrawal, I, I always struggle saying that word, uh, but for uh, for players withdrawing from the NBA draft as underclassmen, this relates to, in Michigan's case, Isaiah Livers, uh, it's still June 3rd. I mean, they'll they'll look at it and they might change it, um, but they, they you know, have the right to, to push it back if they want. But as far as it being 10 days after the NBA draft combine, for now, it's just June 3rd, which was chosen because it was originally 10 days after the initial you know draft combine, but that's been changed and uh, uh, that's been changed on the NBA front, but not on the NCAA front. So uh, livers will still have to decide now with, you know, he's got less than a month to decide. Um, but we're running out of time here. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back with another episode of Wolverine Confidential Podcast next week. Mm-hmm.